welcome to the Belper Beer Club podcast. We're four intrepid beer explorers from Derbyshire, and we thought it was about time we put out a podcast. And here it is. My name's John. My name's Sean. I'm Paul. And I'm Jamie. In this episode, we have Jamie from Coolhead Brewery, based just outside of Helsinki. Yep, that's in Finland. He talks about Nordic Sours, their rather special taproom, and all sorts of other interesting things. Okay, um, this episode is a pretty special one for us. Uh, It's our first interview with a non-British brewery, founded in 2014 and specialising in Nordic Sour Beers, which should be interesting to find out exactly what that means. Uh, Coolhead made a real impression on us at the recent Derby Beer Con Festival with their vibrant green tripping cola bottle sour. They're based in Finland, but their founder is not Finnish. And Jamie joins us from Barcelona for our interview. And apparently he's not from Finland either. (laughs) So we'll have a few questions around that. But to start off with, Jamie, can you please introduce yourself and tell us about your yours and Coolhead's journey to date? Hi, guys. So uh, thanks a lot for having me. Um, oh, cheers. Nice to be able to share some information about what we do and things in, in different parts of the world. Um, so, yeah, my name's Jamie Crookshank. Definitely not a, a a Finn, as you can probably tell by the accent and by my name and surname as well. Um, uh, I've been working for Coolhead. Actually, now, next week, is going to be my first year anniversary uh, with the brewery. Well done for that. Uh, yeah. So I was taken on board to basically grow Export and help grow the name a little bit internationally um so yeah and as you quite rightly mentioned before um the founder and the ceo of the brewery is not finnish either he is actually brazilian um quite how a brazilian ended up in the warm climes of uh helsinki (laughs) finland i don't really know or why he actually even decided to stay there after he moved there but yeah he's um He's Brazilian and he definitely brings a big element of, shall we say, the colour and the flair, which can be sort of seen from maybe our logo, um, the the label designs, the tap room, if you've ever seen pictures of the the tap room or get an opportunity to go there. Well, all of that colour comes from his Brazilian-ness. He loves it. You ever see him? He's just permanently walking around in psychedelic T-shirts, <laughs> his uh, long dreadlocks that he's got. And actually, uh, in the past, he actually had an afro. Right. And so the the the, the head of Cool Head is based on his head. Yeah. Uh, he just doesn't have the afro anymore. He's got dreadlocks. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so if anyone has what that logo looks like, it's kind of like if you remember the kind of blur kind of icons where they kind of did a facial kind of thing with the, the lead singers of blur but it's kind of a silhouette version of that it's quite striking you definitely can see it and when it's partnered with kind of the rainbow colors it definitely does, does stand out for sure yeah and that's where all of the, the the colors come from um inside the tap room is 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 kind of mad um they've got uh, along the bar of the tap room it's almost like spanish tiling mm-hmm 
um but it's all in like fluorescent colors like wavy trippy but old school like spanish ones and uh but in fluorescent colors and that kind of spreads out and around the tap room itself yeah i mean what's been impressed i mean we haven't touched on on it quite yet is just what an impressive that particular building not just the tap room but the brewery space is as well i mean you, we can talk about the actual design of it and what it was used before, but I, I was just amazed by all the different types of rooms, all the different spaces that are utilised inside that particular space. It's, it looks fantastic. Yeah, it's it's insane. I remember the first time I went there to visit, I was at a, a festival working, um, the Craft Beer Helsinki Beer Festival, working for the, the brewery I worked for previously. And I, I knew Clever, who is the the owner, and he invited me and another couple of guys to come and check out the brewery. And I'd seen a couple of pictures sort of the outside, and it looked like this, you know, giant glass pyramid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely looks interesting. I, you know, I'm I'm up for making that slight trek out of the city centre in the morning before I have to go and do twelve hours at a festival afterwards because it, it it looks intriguing. So there was two or three of us went out to have a look. It was just like, it was just wow, yeah. <laughs> literally wow. So the front of the building, I don't know how much detail you want me to go into, but it's basically about more or less on public transport, 25 minutes from the centre of Helsinki. So okay. it's not far. Yeah, uh, You can get there by um, either a sort of an underground and, uh, and a bus or a tram and a bus. And I've actually got a feeling that, just in the last couple of weeks, a new tram line has opened and you can actually just tram it all yeah. the way. So it's actually based in part of the, the University of Helsinki campus. Okay. Um, it's an area that's called Gardenia. So spelt like garden in English yeah. and it's called Gardenia because it's basically where they were studying the part of the university where they were studying agriculture and there was a lot of microbiology and uh, and these types of studies going on. So it was actually the greenhouse, mm. everything to be studied inside. So everything, would all plants, sizes, shapes could be grown up to the top of this giant glass pyramid. And when Kleber saw it and they, they were no longer going to be using it anymore, he actually, it was hilarious when he was giving us the, the, the tour because there are actually steps behind the the brew kit, the brew kit itself. You yeah. can actually get up to the rafters and walk along the top of okay. the brewery, and it's all glass. And so you're just literally got views over because it's all fields one side behind, um, and you've just got all of these views uh, going on. Yeah, we just pulled um, right now. That's pretty impressive. Well, that is yeah, amazing. yeah. When 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 he saw it, um, he was like. Well, wow, I want to grow plants. And he actually wanted to have <laughs> a jungle-inspired brewery. And yeah. there was actually, there's this one part, like in front of where our canning line is, there's this, um, there was a sort of like a bit of a dip. And he actually wanted, he wanted to create a waterfall in it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to have the first brewery with a waterfall inside. It kind of a bit like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I suppose. Well, I guess if you're reusing the water, yeah. I guess if you're reusing the water, there's a great use of it. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you want to get yeah. Willy Wonka, you want a nice hazy pale ale dripping down. So yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So basically the front part of the building was converted into the into the tap room. 
uh, and there's a kitchen in there where they do um, pizzas and there's options of all kinds. Um, so you've got yeah, meat feasts and vegan numbers uh, alike. Mm. And then we've got about, uh, I think of how many tabs we've got. I think there's 26, I can't even remember anymore. I'm normally it's too drunk. Number. Number. It's probably, yeah, yeah, we've got quite a few taps anyway. Yeah, and yeah. about five, six fridges um, next to it. I mean, capacity, get a few hundred in there. Um, and there's plants growing. And the idea is actually want to get them crawling up and sort of like going all the way around in that yeah. tap space. Um, there's offices off to the side. We've got what we call the round room, which is at the back, which actually can be rented out for, I don't know, like business groups or private parties. And it's kind of out the back with sofas and leather seating and, and things like that. Um, and then we've got outdoor space as well. So in the summer, they actually do. Well, we, we, we host our, our own festival in July, yeah. um, beer festival. Um, it's it's small so it's basically predominantly finished breweries and we maybe have eight invitational yeah international breweries um just because we want to keep things simple they also host a brazilian day um which is like concert after concert after concert it's huge so we've literally got a whole stage set up next to the brewery yeah um and yeah that's pretty good in the summer because obviously well i don't know whether you're aware but you know finland doesn't actually get dark in the in the summertime yeah, yeah i was gonna say yeah yeah you could be there two in the morning three in the morning and it's still yeah hazy, hazy bright and i suppose the the inverse is true in the winter you've got like a a, a microclimate to keep yourself warm in as well in the in the hostel yeah, exactly extreme yeah, exactly. Cold. yeah yeah basically they have a couple of like heat shooters for the winter because I mean, the last time I was there, and the next time I'm going to be there, because I'm going in, uh, I'm going to be there the first week of December. Um, mm. uh, it's full on snow <laughs> around outside. But yeah. You get a couple of computers, and it quickly warms up because of the glass. Yeah. And mm. then they've got these angled, like inverse reflectors for the summer, so it's not painfully uh, hot. Because obviously, if you're brewing, it's a uh, hot enough surrounding, yeah. it's, let alone to be inside a greenhouse when you're doing it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's what I was going to ask about the challenges of, of the summer, but it sounds like you, yeah, you've got a you've got a solution for that. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We met you at the at Derby Beer Con. Um, so, I mean, it, did you get invited by Neon Rap to the guys there? Did you have a relationship already? You've done a collab with those people before? No, it was actually through our UK importers. Okay. Um, Neon, something that I think is actually very positive about derby festival was that there were different breweries there yeah um a lot of festivals you see it seems like the same old people are always at, uh there mm. um so it's like you go to one and you go to another one and you're going to get this pretty much the same thing but just new releases something that i liked about that festival that there was a real kind of eclectic mix of international uh local to the area and other uh, national uk breweries mm. and you know it just wasn't 
yeah it was uh, and basically the guys came uh, the, i work with a company called distant lands which are importing us they're based in cambridge mm-hmm. and they will also, also part organizers this year helping out with the, the, oh, the derby um so obviously they were interested in getting a couple of their breweries into the festival mm. that they work with so there was us and arpus also work with them for example um and Berata. but yeah the guys from neon raptor basically said look we're happy to listen to you like we want some international breweries but we, we, we want to change it up a bit we just want to know that the we, we're going to get something good like yeah. if we trust you we know you work with good breweries so like who do you recommend because obviously distant lands has got a relatively large portfolio um so you know not everyone could be invited um and yeah he, he, they they Sam, the guy who I work with most there, just got in touch with me and said, would you be interested? And mm. I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, mm. I think we're bracing. Just going on logistics, obviously, you know, we've just talked about all the different uh, sort of logistics that are going to be involved with that. So how do you how do you actually organise a beer festival? How long in ahead do you need to be getting your beers lined up and shipped and everything like that? Uh, a long time. I mean, ships, actual shipping to the, a destination. I mean, it totally depends whether if you're talking the States and that's something else completely, because then with the States, that depends on whether you're, you're flying them over, whether they're being shipped over, as in literally shipped. Yeah, um, I, mean, I, understand, with, I understand like for the main brew, but just for a festival, do you have to do something, anything specific to get, get that one? Put it in your hand luggage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, no, I, well, apparently that just happened recently. I was speaking to someone that was pouring at Dark and Wild. Uh, right. This last weekend, yeah, last weekend. They, they said that something went wrong, and he was having to literally take four kegs on the plane with him. Ah, okay, <laughs> I think you've answered it then. By, <laughs> by, by yeah. means possible is the answer. Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I haven't spoken to him since. I presume he managed. Um, <laughs> that's definitely not ideal. I mean, no. normally you, you'd give an extra couple of weeks. I mean, if say in our case, uh, Finland to the UK. I think we're probably looking at 10 days to two weeks. So instead we shipped like three three weeks, right. maybe a month in advance, just to make sure that if there was any hiccups, it was already all there. Because mm. also as well, I did I was actually doing a bit of a tour. So, so like Derby was towards the the mid end of my stint. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna ask that as well. How many festivals did you do in the summer? Did you do, you know? Dozens well, or? festivals. I was, I was, I was nonstop. I was all over, um, all, like Europe, basically. I was only at, I was just at the one festival in the UK, but I had collabs and tap takeovers, basically, in different parts of the the UK on that trip, like literally different parts. So I started in Cambridge. Um, I had, well, I did a collab. I literally got off the plane, was picked up by the guys from Pastore. Yeah. Um, taken straight to the brewery. Um, we'd obviously like worked on the recipe online. Yeah. Um, and then like basic like brew day, running through like the fermentation, what the plans were afterwards, uh, checking out the ingredients that they'd got in for it. Um, and then that evening, it was straight to. Uh, a tasting so it was like a 
three beer tasting with actually I had the the tripping cola. I had two or three of the beers that um that were also at the festival. Okay. Um yeah, and then from there, following day I had another tap takeover somewhere else. Then I had to get up to Derby from Cambridge. Um I was supposed to have had an event up there, but in the end I couldn't make it in time. Um festival two days then back down to kent uh <laughs> collab collab with flock and then up to london cool. for another two or three tap takeovers one of them was in the cloudwater bermondsey where they oh, took, yeah okay yeah they had about seven eight of our beers on tap cool Nice one. So it sounds like the net, the the cool head brand is definitely getting out and about in the UK. Um, and I think we we were just chatting before this about where we could get hold of the beers over here in a more general sense. Um, what what's the what are the options for people who are interested in the in the beers? Yeah, I mean, I think I don't. Unfortunately, I don't know specific because there's obviously so many shops out there. I do believe there's a as a, as I said, there's quite a well known craft beer shop which rainville I, rainville yeah yeah i mean um we haven't name checked them on the podcast before i don't think um so that is a very eclectic beer shop in leeds it's one of the biggest ones in the north of england mm. um in an old post office and uh they've got a, a crazy layout uh which is uh, about eight fridges full of pails where most bottle shops would have two or three so they've got about eight eight fridges full of pails We've got a huge Belgian selection, uh, and then behind the counter is all the all, all the behind the top shelf stuff behind the counter <laughs> is all your cantillons and your special editions. So yeah, um, yeah, the amount of pails in there is quite sort of uh, outstanding. Um, I mean, what sort of what's which brings you around to your range? I guess. I mean, are you mainly well? You, we talked about the, the big, we've talked about the mixed fermentation stuff. I mean, do you have sort of just your basic core range as well? Yeah, so I mean, we we were known. I mean, as you as you as you mentioned at the beginning, it's not Coolhead is not a new brewery, so they've been around for a few years now. Um, the thing is, they weren't exporting really um, until they moved to the new brewery. Basically, capacity size wasn't big enough uh, to export; it was purely national market only, and. When I started, so as I mentioned before, it was a, a year ago, they were kind of exporting to about three or four countries. Um, my aim, obviously, is to multiply that yeah. by quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, one of the markets is the UK. Um, in terms of range. Yeah, when I, in terms of range. Yeah, when I first met them, it was basically, I, I've known Coolhead for a, a few years. But I've met them on the circuit, and all I knew about was sours, really. It was predominantly sours. So it was mentioned at the beginning, this Nordic sour range. That is part of our core range. So we've got two or three sours which are core, um, and they are classified as uh, Nordic. Yeah, so what, what is that definition of Nordic sour? Because I've never seen it before. Obviously, we know what sour Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's good marketing. It's... Um, <laughs> It, it it really uh okay so 
I actually had the same question when I started. I presumed that it was just going to be more like using typical fruits or maybe you know berries or other local things to, common to the the Nordic regions. Yeah, and that was going to be, uh, and that, and that's what it was. And it isn't actually. It's actually a little bit more than that. It's um, part of the the brewing process, as I said. We've we were always known for sours. Um, but they're not just basic kettle sours. Mm -hmm. So we're actually doing a lot on the cold side so that they're blending. It's a blended recipe of a traditional Finnish beer, which is called Asahi. Okay. And Asahi uses a lot of cold on the fermentation side of uh, like additions and things. Um, so basically they blended those two elements. And that's actually what makes it a nordic sour is because we're using techniques from this age old finnish beer process as well as using fruits and things from the area but then we chuck a load of tropical stuff in as well because clever being brazilian he wants to <laughs> bring all of that kind of stuff in as well but yeah the nordic sour is that it's because we're actually using a traditional technique from an old finnish um beer process basically that's so that's, really that's yeah not that's so much the, yeah no that's the so that's the nordic sour then what i wanted to introduce as well was um i'd had their ipas before but it wasn't something they were pushing and it wasn't something that they were famous for um or their hoppy beers shall i call them rather than just ipas um and they were really good and so when i started it's something that i wanted to make a bit more out of yeah. So now we've also part of our core range. We've also got uh, a five percent uh, pale and a six point five percent IPA, both of which hazy. So yeah. New England style. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are perfectly into yeah. what they will do because it's a very very strong on the pales. Mm, mm. I mean, I notice you also throw other Finnish ingredients into your beers. Quite a lot of them seem to have licorice and i certainly know because me and jamie have holidayed over there and we've been to helsinki we've been to hanker so we know that we know that area quite well and yeah licorice salted licorice was just everywhere um and yeah. i see you've got quite a lot in in in, in some of your beers and i guess that i imagine that's more for the local market than export i don't know yeah it's a good question i think it's an important question actually because uh one of like the core range that we have is uh salted licorice raspberry sour Mm. Now, originating from the UK, I'm not a huge lover of licorice. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> mum had licorice all sorts when I was a kid, and that was about <laughs> it. And she loved them. And all I did was peel the marzipan off around the licorice and just give her the, 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 the actual <laughs> part after I'd eaten the colour parts from the, yeah. from the all sorts. Um <laughs> the interesting thing when I went there though was like I was kind of like oh, and I remember that, like my first day and I was at the brewery and they were actually doing they were doing um uh, tasting and they were adding different amounts of licorice to this new beer and I always just thought of licorice as this you know the black sweets that you mm -hmm. get and there isn't there's actually you know there's different levels of salted licorice and then you've got sweet licorice as well. And what we're actually using is raw licorice. So it's ground down and it's in powder form. 
Okay. It, it, it almost looks like a uh, like a chocolate powder drink that you you might mix up. It's like a very light brown color in powder. So it's like the root and it's just ground down. It's actually ex very it's sweet. Um, yeah. It's not what you imagine it to be. And what I found is, I, and as I said, I'm not a licorice lover. Now, there's a couple of beers that we've done that are definitely not to my taste. It's mm -hmm. they're too licorice. -y. It's like salty. It is kind of it's got that aftertaste to it. Um, they sell well, really well across the Nordics. Yeah. So not only in Finland, but places like Denmark lap it up, Sweden lap it up, but they've also got that same love of uh, licorice in general. For other parts of export, like the UK and stuff like that, where I know we're not as big a fan, there's this element of psychosomatics about it. Um, I've done, uh, if people see licorice, they often go, I don't like it. Mm. Mm. Just because they've seen the word. Yeah. Now, I've done a couple of actual like live tasting tests. Blind where, tests. Are they blind? Yeah. But in, in a bar where yeah. someone's like having a drink and I told the guys, don't put licorice. Just don't include it. It was one where there was like loads of ingredients and like fruits and all sorts of different things. I said, don't put licorice there. Yes. Yeah. Don't just don't put it there. And I want to see. I was going around, I was asking people, people like, oh, this is really nice. It's great. There's something different. There's something different in there. I can't put my finger <laughs> on it. It's really nice. It's really good. Mm -hmm. And it's almost got a slight, um, I don't know, I almost find it at times almost like a numbing like, of the tongue. Mm, like, interesting. It sort of like comes through. It's, <laughs> um, well, yeah, fun, fun fact, you can actually get licorice poisoning. Yeah, it's, a, nice. it's a thing in Scandinavia that... Uh, if you just keep snacking it all weekend, by Sunday night you're in some kind of like medically induced coma. So uh, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're bunging kilos of the stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I love licorice. I, I, I'm a, I wouldn't quite say addicted. I've never been poisoned, but like I know what you mean about the numbingness. I mean, I love um, the, the the tea pigs peppermint and licorice. It's got a real uh, yeah, that's got a real numbing yeah, feeling. Yeah, and um, I, I think it's a. Uh, as Sean said, we went to Helsinki and Hanko, and I think we're going to have to discuss um, about going back and visiting again yeah. um, soon. Uh, but uh, I, I, whenever I think of Linkwish, I, I just remember like spoiling my uh, niece's birthday by coming back. And I can't remember it was when I came back from Sweden or Finland, but coming back with two massive bags of sweets. Oh, uh, yeah. Handing her these two massive bags of sweets, only for her to realise that not only is it licorice, but it's salted. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, salty yeah. licorice. It's like, yeah, I was yeah, not the favourite yeah. uncle for, for some time. Um, <laughs> what was that drink? When we were in Finland, what was that drink that everyone was drinking? Um, oh. in, a, in a blue can. Oh, oh uh, the gin. Gin, the gin. gin. Longkara. Longkara. Long drinks. Yeah, yeah. Longkara. Like a longkara, because I remember to every, everywhere, we went, everywhere we went to that, that person's house we're staying at. Mm. and he, uh, he Long drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got like, have you got like a, a beer version? A beer version of that. Yeah, in the past, a sour. We've done a sour. Yeah, yeah, based on that. Long drink is like the biggest thing in in Finland. Well, in a lot of that region, but it's yeah, it's out of Finland. And then you get the grapefruit flavor one, and there's you know a couple of other like sort of flavors. Actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for minimums here. Yeah, yeah. It's really funny. Our festival uh, when we had over, I think after our festival. I know at least 
the owner of Flock like went online and ordered like two cases of long beer yeah. for his, uh, long drinks for his house. <laughs> I loved it. Well, it's one of those sort of get awesome. drunk. It's funny, yeah, the test that I did in this bar, so I didn't tell anyone, and people were going around like it's the same. They were picking up that there was something unusual there. And then I told them, and do you know the amount of people went, oh, I knew there was something I didn't like. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, sure, so I, on, I, yeah. I was like, hold on a minute. Yeah. Like, you've just been <laughs> telling me this whole time, like, you really liked it, there was just something different there. Yeah, and the second yeah. I said what it was, it was like, oh, yeah, I knew there was something I didn't like. And suddenly it was like, oh, I didn't like it. So it yeah, really does yeah. show that psychosomatics have a lot to play with uh, taste and things mm. and perception of things as well. So, I yeah, wonder... I tried to get more sours into export that don't have the licorice. But in some cases, I want people to try it as well. Mm. I wonder if there's a regional thing though. I've just had a few days in um, the Orchard Dales in Pate, near Pateley Bridge, and it's got the oldest sweet shop in the world. It, it's yeah, literally called that, and it, it's a brilliant place. And it had like jars of licorice roots and stuff on on the counter, and I've not seen yeah. that for ages. So I wonder if there is a bit of a regional love for that in the north or the in Yorkshire that you could export. You know, there might be a little niche market at least in that. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, people. So the problem is, is, is the word association. Yeah, it's yeah. Licorice, and people think of the black sweet and the exactly. I don't like, yeah, and yeah. It ends there. But, I mean, a lot of people don't even know about the the the. In Spain, you get people like just chewing on like it looks like a bit of branch. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I remember them from when I was growing up. Occasionally, people would buy them and, and pass them around, and everyone would go, "Wow, that's licorice!" And you'd be chewing yeah, a bit exactly. of a yeah. But um, and that's what yeah. we're using. So yeah, I, I I want people to try it, but I'm also you know like hesitant. There's you know a couple of the brews have been too much for me. I mean, it's like yeah, a real. Yeah. One. I'm just like, whoa, that's yeah. I don't want. I'm not shipping that anywhere. Well, when it's I look like, at on tap. When I look at on tap, your second highest rated beer is a super salted double licorice beer. So, um, well, anyway, there's a tip for everyone out there: licorice. Try it; you yeah. might like it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would definitely say that. And remember, it's not. <laughs> what Yeah, so um, just for the listeners out there, while we've been uh, chatting with Jamie, um, I've been doing a bit of searching. And if you're looking for their beers, as well as Rainville online, um, also Leftfield Beer have a few of the beers available. So it's definitely available on some of the uh, more interesting independent bottle online bottle shops out there. And just to say there, John, so so both of those have got the, the tripping cola bottles. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, I don't know if it's a good time now to just because it was tripping cola bottles. So we'd 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 been at the Derby Beer Con for quite a while, um, and then I think I was I was the first to start the trend, wasn't I? And there's a one time where I think we all got this. The only time, Jamie, you like this is the only time that we all got the same beer. Yeah, because I bought, yeah. and then I came back raving about this amazing <laughs> beer, and uh, these guys then got a severe case of FOMO. Yeah, so <laughs> had to go and get the get the same beer, and we all sat there. Um, looking like we had some sort of bizarre, you know, put an umbrella in it. You would have thought it was a cocktail with a cup. Yeah, absolutely. And um, 
I I'm a big fan of sour beers. Um, I, I I love them. Um, sours, blend vices, all sorts of stuff. But that one really did blow me away. Um, I really yeah. I put in on tap, but there were some obscenities in it in terms of how, <laughs> how much I love the beer. Um, it really did blow my mind. Um, but what I loved about it, I think, and and remember you sort of saying about it, is that you know it it, it really did have this this cola bottle vibe, um, despite being green. Um, but it was entirely vegan, and no cola bottles were harmed in the making of the beer. Yeah, exactly. Can exactly. you enlighten us on how on earth that was achieved? Mystery. I mean, unless it gives, yeah. unless it's a yeah. So, so basically, like we got together with the guys of um, Tripping Animals, which, if you're not familiar with them, they're based in uh, Miami, mm-hmm. and as the name suggests of their brewery, they do pretty wild, wacky out there types of things and i've known him for a while and been wanting to do something with them and they've got a series of beers called like the soda series so it's kind of what you know in american english what class you know fizzy drink type things there's like an orange ad type thing and power ad type things or slightly rebranded um and we've obviously got our Nordic sours. So we were kind of like discussing how they go about doing uh, their sour beers, like with regards to like adjuncts. I mean, you, you've probably seen online at times when like imperial stouts and things are made, um, you know, people adding massive amounts of like marshmallows and all <laughs> sorts of like ingredients actually into the boil itself. Yeah. Um, but there is, uh, in Finland in particular, there's a hell of a lot of people, I don't know whether it's true, but this is just like a discussion on the brewery, that there seems to be a hell of a lot of vegans and people with lactose intolerance uh, now in Finland. I don't know whether this is something to do with being so far north and, uh, I don't know, the cold affecting them somehow. But um so there's a big thing in our brewery that we, we want to make beers that uh, that can be used or, or drunk by everyone, basically. So when we said, obviously, initially the idea was was like, well, let's do a cola one, uh, but we need to make it trippy. Um, yeah, the actual like how we the ins and outs of how we came to it is probably not suitable for the podcast under the circumstances <laughs> that we were actually in at the time when we decided to do this, but. Um, so, yeah, it was like, let's do this cola one, but we don't want to use real cola bottles. So, like I said earlier, we've got we're, – we're, we're in the university campus, so we've actually got a couple of guys part-time which are microbiologists in the university that come and work with us part-time. Yeah. And they like creating their own adjuncts. Wow. So they're basically like 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 I said that it's like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. They're our Oompa Loompas. <laughs> <laughs> so they're actually <laughs> the funny thing about it is they're actually quite small as well, like, <laughs> stature. So when I got over there, it's like I've got this tiny little like kind of person that's like, and they get really excited when I come. They're like, Jamie, you try this, try this, and it's I'm literally trying these like wacky things. So they actually made like their. Uh, a cola adjunct themselves um there's like certain natural ingredients 
obviously not what how how Coca-Cola was first made. It wasn't using <laughs> those original like ingredients, <laughs> plant-based things that actually is can be used to get that sample uh, to get that flavor. Sorry, so they created this cola adjunct that was uh, because obviously if you use the the real cola bottles um they've got fats in them there's animal fats in a lot of gelatine sweets yeah. things yeah. if you yeah. look at the ingredients um so obviously the the adjunct that we made didn't have it and then the rest is fruit so there is there's lime which definitely comes through we wanted to do like a lime cola uh, uh type of theme and there's a tiny bit of passion fruit but you don't really get that as much and then we said, okay, well, we want it to look cool as well. It's like we're doing something with tripping animals. <laughs> all about tripping stuff and that. So uh, we made it green. And that, that <laughs> yeah, was... Because yeah. why not? Exactly. <laughs> so why not? We're going to yeah. call it we're tripping cola bottles. Let's at least make it live up to what it says on the can. Um but yeah, we make... So I'm, you know, the fact that you like sour beers and you sort of like the licorice and stuff. Our beers are sour like mm, it is yeah. a sour beer it's not uh, you know there's a lot of shall i say beers in inverted commas out there at the moment and it's not really they're not sour at all mm -hmm. um we do make sours um yeah. which was interesting for the the collab we did with pastori i actually think our process and certain tastes of our beers, they're actually very similar on the on the sour. Yeah. It, it yeah. was really interesting for us when we were when we were chatting that our processes are very similar. And the actual, you know, we both make sour beers. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I was gonna say that that was one when as soon as you mentioned that, I was thinking that's that's the part one to keep, made a, keep an eye out for. I think it's just yeah. released actually. I think I've just seen it ah. on Pastori's uh, yeah. website. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I mean, on the socials. I've seen the, your little logo on yeah, the camera. It came out end of last week. So yeah. it was uh, what we decided on was uh, uh, like a gloggy, which is a mulled wine uh, mm. sour. So a winter star sour. Wow. Um, that sounds based amazing. Based on the classic like Nordics. Yeah. old wines that they get which is called a gl yeah uh, and so yeah it seems yeah i saw it being poured as well at uh, dark and wild and stuff and a few people raving about it so the it seems like the recipe that we worked on paid off it sounds mm, like yeah, it's yeah. quite good perfect for this time of year as well interesting i mean like i'm i'm really intrigued is is sour a really big thing in finland because I think over here it's still quite divisive for a lot of people. We've got certain people like Pastori and obviously Vault City yeah. and others, Holy Goat, who have really pioneered and blazed the trail for sour beers in this country. And there's some other smaller players like um, Wilderness and Little Earth Project who are, you know, yeah. geniuses of the mixed fermentation and you know that kind of thing. Is is it a is it a much bigger thing in Finland more generally, or is Cool Head still a bit of an exception in that respect? No, I think in Scandinavia in general, there's been quite a long time, uh, you know, an appreciation for for sour beers and fruit based beers. Um, obviously, we're not doing wild or 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 spontaneous stuff. Mm. We're not like cool ship sour beers. We are more, I don't know, uh, modern sours yeah. should we say um but as i said at the beginning we're not doing pure kettle sours either um there's always been ipas there it was just never at the forefront because 
at the beginning, it was always these wacky sours that were being produced, which is kind of really got what gave Coolhead the name. And right, then in gotcha. the where you know we, we have done stuff. I mean, uh, I, I mean, way before my time, near the beginning, we did a collab with Wild Beer. Um, oh yeah, remember? the late yeah, Wild, Wild yeah. Beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. curious, so, curious, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So there was. Um, it was the kind of the, the sales that we're known for. And this is now something that we're, 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 we're starting to change a bit. We want to get the, I always knew that they made phenomenal hoppy stuff and want to get that. We want to get as known for the hoppy stuff as much as the, the sour stuff that if we can make these sours and look at what we can also do with the, with the, with the hops. Yeah. So we've incorporated now a really like, fixed line of a hazy pale and a, a New England into the core, where before it was uh, basically sours and there was a West Coast in, in there. Good stuff. Have you got any other upcoming exciting collab beer projects in the, in the pipeline that you're looking forward yeah. to? Yeah, oh. we've got a few collabs coming up um, next year now. Um but we're looking at starting a new series. So a lot of the ones that we did, and there was all IPAs. We did a whole IPA collab series throughout the entire year last year. We, well, the entire year, I suppose it is with the, the sort of the time it takes to brew and 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 getting people over and stuff. But we did ten collabs throughout uh, the year last year, and it was all variations of IPAs. And the last, the very last one was a triple IPA, which was with. Uh, Forest Weircheck of Germany. Oh, if, I, mm-hmm. if I pronounce that correctly, I'm never <laughs> sure quite how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you probably tried the one with Verdant or with Finback that we did. That's right. I've tried the one with the Finback. Yes, I've got yeah. a one well, actually. That was that was that was decent. Yeah. Uh, I see that you've you, you've done collabs as well with more UK known breweries such as Arbor. I want to say. Uh, you mentioned Flock Verdant. You've done collabs with. Yeah. Um, Trying to look at my list. Um, Brew by Numbers, um, and obviously you mentioned Wild Beer and um, Hophead Brewery. So yeah. certainly, certainly lots of breweries there that you kind of get. That these were all been IPAs, or would you've done more well, sours? They're not known for sours particularly. These these breweries. No, the Wild Beer, the Wild. I think was a that was a sour. Yeah, that was yeah. way before my time. So I I can only talk about the ones that I've organised myself. Yeah. So yeah. I organised um, the Verdant and the the Flock, and did we have another UK one? No, it was just Verdant and Flock, I believe, in the, the IPA series, and then we had some others with a couple of like Spanish breweries and American breweries, and yeah, I basically, I, I as I said, next week is my th- one year anniversary at the brewery, so yeah. my first year I organised basically these ten. Uh, collabs plus the tripping animals and, and a couple of other ones so yeah we've got a plan next year to start another series again i don't think it'd be quite as many as we did last year because we really wanted to push the ipas mm. so it's like either ipas or double ipas and then we ended with a with a triple um and it's basically to try and get the name out there uh, a bit more say verdant block are pretty two good breweries in the uk to be partnering with in that respect because they're yeah. pretty, they're pretty good in their IPA domain. Yeah, and then obviously as you said, you tried the Finback one. Yeah. We did Finback. We did 
um, Arpus, Barrier from New York as well. Then Garage, Beer from Barcelona and Basque Land uh, from mm. the Basque country. Yeah. Uh, Feuerst Wehrcheck, obviously Germany, which are quite well known as well for their their hazy stuff. Prism from France. So it's yeah. also getting a little bit um, like different countries, like the top level, basically sort of hazy IPA brewers. And, cool. and yeah, there's definitely a few more in the pipeline and with UK breweries, both home and away. Mm. Any that you could give away now or it's, are you still sworn to secrecy on that? Yeah, we're still talking about it and I've got no idea when they're going to happen yet. So I've got, well, I've spoke to one of the guys at Daya, um, like it was, I was at, uh, there was MASH Beer Festival in Barcelona recently. I live in Barcelona, so I was hanging out with a load of guys and I think for spring we'll be doing one with uh, Daya. Cool. And it's it's trying to like all coordinate basically. Um, mm. You know, if there's a festival in the area of we're inviting, and you know, I'm hoping that Beak as well will be doing something with them um, mm. as well. That's, yeah. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. So I used to, you know, when uh, you got interviews and people used to ask you about your dream job, I used to say like, you know, international cricket player, but I think I might say Jamie's job. No. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think if someone says, "What's your dream job?" I was like, oh, "Yeah, I want to, want to, you know, live in Barcelona, live in Barcelona, yeah, go around the world, go around the world, make amazing beer with yeah. amazing people." It's a dirty job, it, but I guess yeah. someone's got to do, do it. it yeah. yeah, I mean, the big thing for me is is like it's also collaboration. It's also like like our festival because obviously we did the. We did the ah the other collab we did in the UK was with New Barns, but it wasn't an IPA. It was a it was a lager that we okay. did with New Barns from Scotland yeah. from Leith. Uh, I was in their tap room this summer, actually. Yeah, so so we did a fest beer with them, but the, these were off the back of our festival. So uh, like Verdum was over, they were over, and um, like the guys from Prism. But yeah, New Barns we did uh, we did a lager, which is another. I really like the stuff that they do. Um, for me, collaboration is is it is actually genuinely like collaborating. I mean, there's there's only so much you can go like different wise on like New England's and stuff like that. We definitely changed up the recipes with each one we did because certain breweries have got certain techniques that they use, and so we wanted to apply that and yeah. then you have to moderate it to your kit as well. But the main thing for us, and it's the same like goes with our festival especially if I'm organising it, it's just with friends. Mm. I just want an excuse to hang out with friends that I don't get to see that often because we live in different countries. Yeah. Mm. It's actually really that, <laughs> like the people that I get on with. Um, yeah. Are there any breweries, and I, I don't know if this is a, if I'm anticipating a quick fire or a later question, but are there any breweries that you really like to do a collaboration with, but you think might be a bit of a long shot? Russian River. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bit of West Coast. Um, yeah. Yeah. I uh, Just because I haven't, I haven't met him, I could probably push a little bit and try and, uh, I mean, I was regularly in the States for uh, a good, like, eight years, like, backwards and forwards, I was going uh, to California. So I know quite, I, I know, I know Jeff Bagby from Bagby Beer, who was, originally a, one of the founder brewers of pizza port which is like classic west coast um i know the guys from green cheek 
one of the owners. I know them well. I know the guys from the brewery. Um, I'm really good friends with the owner of Superstition Meadery, okay. um, which is Arizona. Um, I've got a lot of good friends and contacts. So if I really wanted to push it, I could probably mm. find out. But I, they don't really do that kind of thing. So I think that's maybe why it's more of a yeah, long shot. Yeah. They, just, they just don't do it. They're not interested in doing it. So. Yeah. We tried approaching them, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, tried. <laughs> um, we tried to get them to follow us on Twitter, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. we didn't realise that you used Twitter anymore. Yeah. Um, does, does this mean, have you, have you had that Pliny the Elder then? Have you... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had it like two a week old, like fresh. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Is it as good as they say it is? I really like it. I'm, I'm an old school. It's nothing. I don't know how kind of it's just how a West Coast should be. Um, yeah. Like if you're ever in the West Coast, a lot of the West Coast are like that, like Pizza Port. Well, I still remember when the first the first brewery and the first beer in the states that really blew me away was a brewery you can still get their stuff but it's not the same anymore it's called uh alpine brewery mm-hmm. okay. um and it was a beer called nelson uh ipa called nelson now uh alpine were tiny i mean it was absolutely tiny it was in this little village just out of san diego in the middle of pine forests and their brewery their kit everything was just minuscule and then they had it was about three three shops down from their brewery there was like a wig shop a second-hand shop and something it was really random and it was like <laughs> this one big town with fluff blowing down the middle of it but everyone would be like well, i was there on a friday afternoon everyone would come strutting down with the growler filling yeah. up getting the growlers filled up and then they had their tap room like three shops down and i remember these like huge chicken like um you know wings and they were just massive and um anyway i got like a tasting like line and i had this one called nelson it's a single hop nelson I- rye ipa so uh, it's actually that's ticking, my, that's ticking it's, all my boxes yeah it's <laughs> actually credited by some people as one of the first hazy ipas as well people argue about like the alchemist and stuff like that but if you know people that really know beer well some at times Nelson by Alpine is also thrown into the mix as one of these first kind of hazies because it wasn't filtered, so it had a slightly cloudy. It's not anything like what we're getting today in a New England style, but it was an unfiltered, cloudy kind of IPA, and it just blew me away. It was phenomenal, and for me, better than Pliny the Elder. Okay, um, I've never had Pliny the Younger because obviously you have to be there at the right time for when they're when they're serving that but yeah. plant yelled i love it i also wonder whether they use i don't know if you've ever seen photographs of it or anything like when it's poured and stuff it's crystal clear <laughs> a lot of the west coast ipas i actually wonder whether many years ago they were actually making cold ipas and just overly hopping it a lot more because yeah, that's, that's the color of it. they're not multi they're not multi-colored at all it's no, as clear no. like planting the elder is as clear as a lager so there's just the hops just shine through it mm. um like a lot yeah that's the kind of sort of the stuff that i like drinking but yeah i don't think they're um Great. i don't think they do collabs and stuff really there's <laughs> no need for them so we're going to move on and uh, pass over to paul who's got some uh listener questions so ask the brewer oh, questions 
Yeah, well, one of them is not not a list of questions, but basically we're just talking about the can design. I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier that that sort of owner has got a lot of input there. Um, I mean, do you get involved in the design process on the labels at all? No, not at all. No, we've got a uh, we have a person that's kind of like head of brand yeah. and 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 marketing, and that's completely his section. He knows that there needs to be colours in there because clever likes the colours. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It, it ties together nicely with the colours, and you've explained why that is. And as you say, the logo is pretty cool. I don't think uh, I don't remember a, a logo actually featuring uh, someone from the brewery before. So that's kind of a, that's kind yeah. of an interesting one. Um, and then, yeah, one of the questions we ask everybody, you kind of we've danced around this one a little bit. I mean, there's some strong contenders. Um, but if you could have brewed any beer in the world, what would it be and why? Probably if I could have brewed it. Well, actually, it's interesting. Augustina Hellis. Mm. Okay. I'd like to get into one of these old, like, German breweries where they yeah. won't let you know what the yeasts are. They won't let you know what... Yeah. <laughs> Now a lot of them have opened up a little bit more, but um, some of these like real closed sort of like German breweries producing these phenomenal lagers that is top secret. I think something like something like that. Well, I did it once actually um, in the previous brewery. I did a collaboration with Mars Brow from Bamberg. If you've heard of them, no, 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 I don't know. Oh, Mars, yeah, 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 yeah. So Mars makes some fantastic lagers. They're famous in particular for their Keller beer and. Um, I did uh, in, in the previous. I worked for Napa Beer previously, which is a, a brewery. Well, Fifteen years or my fourteen years, they've been going now from Pamplona in Spain, okay. um, and we did a collaboration with Mars Brow, which we were pretty lucky to have done. I think Omnipolo is the only other person who's done a collab with them. <laughs> okay, and um, we did a Hellesbock Lager. And we had to sign about a five, six-page uh, confidentiality agreement. <laughs> wow. me. That's yeah. quite at odds with the kind of the craft beer scenes it is now. Everyone's so open and shares information. Yeah. Everyone yeah. collaborations very much about opening yeah. ideas. That's really at odds with that, yeah. isn't it? The, the, the old school Germans are not. <laughs> yeah. I guess the only reason I could think for, for that is that if you're brewing to the to the German laws, you've only got so much scope for ingredient variation so one of the exactly. things that you would have is your own yeast which are exactly. yeah. specific characters so um some of them have lightened up though and you, you can buy some of them now so they have yeah. there's um, i just saw recently actually in spain uh schneider weiss actually did a couple of collaborations over here in spain oh, um, right. with craft breweries um, yeah. and then there was um Wein stefan uh, I almost did a collab with Vine Stefan when I was at Napa Beer as well. Mm. Yeah, something what... that we um, something that's two interesting points about that, isn't it? One is, you know, as you say, the Germans are very secretive, but they're, they're having to get on board with the, the new world of beer. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's kind of an interesting point. And then the other thing is, like the bigger the bigger breweries. I mean, I've had some great beers where Adams have uh, have collabed with somebody. You know, and uh, they're amazing. Verdant have, Verdant have just released an yeah. uh, an EP with them. That's right, you're yeah. Um, I mean, they did something with Sierra Nevada, Nevada, which was my best beer of last year, probably, or one of them. Mm. So yeah, it, they've got to get on board. It's interesting. Some some of them just do it as like a side line, and some of them kind of bring it into the, mm. the main the main parts. So interesting. 
Um, we've got a question from Adrian Kirk off of Facebook, and he's saying, just asking about Helsinki, really. What's the craft beer scene like in Helsinki? Um, and is it one of the places where you'd expect beer tourists to sort of rock up to? Um, yeah, good. I, I could probably answer the question better about Barcelona, to be honest. But, um... <laughs> Go for that one as well. Okay, well, do, do both. Yeah. yeah, we're happy to yeah. do both. Um, Helsinki, no, it, it is pretty vibrant. There's a fair few breweries. There's now, well, so you've got our tap room, which is out of the city itself. Like you need to, as I said, it's like half an hour public transport, but it's very easy um, to get there. Yeah. And then we've got the tap room. There are a good count. I think there's another two tap rooms of breweries in the city itself. So you've got one Salama Brewing and you've got, uh, 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 I've forgotten the name of the other one. Um, they've got tap rooms in the centre. And then there's um, one of the main importers uh, of into Finland. So they work with, um, they work with Flock, they work with Beak and actually bring their beers. They've got a great shop and um, bar combined, which is called PN. P-I-E-N. Um, uh, yeah, it's 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 there. Like, what I'm big... hearing is it's good, but it's not as good as Barcelona. <laughs> I just don't know it as much because I'm just never there. It's yeah. too bloody. <laughs> Why would I go there? I've got no need. <laughs> like... <laughs> no, well, I've got the same thing. My, my wife's Swedish, and we spend a fair bit of time in Gothenburg, and it's a good beer. It's a good beer place. But I wouldn't yeah. say I would go there just for the beer, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I don't really know many places I would go just for the beer, except for maybe in the States. In the States, yes. Like, New York is just jam-packed with, like, breweries. Leeds, for example. <laughs> there you go, New York and Leeds. You don't hear that very often. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a, it's, a, you know, it's a strange comparison, but Leeds has got, like, a, there's a hell of a lot like yeah. going on there. Yeah, I think yeah. Scandinavia, Scandinavia in general, if you've been to like, I don't know, Stockholm or you've been to Copenhagen, Helsinki is obviously, it's a lot smaller. It's a smaller place, um, but it's going on. And then interestingly as well, you can also, you know, spend some time in Helsinki, check out like the, the local breweries going on there, plus the other craft beer bars, which there are plenty of. But remember, it's a small city, like, you know, population wise, it, it's it's pretty small. So it's more comparative, I presume, probably to a Leeds than a, a New I'd, York or London. I'd be quite happy to go to Helsinki for the weekend and then and then nip on a boat over to Tallinn. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what I was just about to say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah. You've got Tallinn loving. Yeah. Every podcast has to get a mention of We've Tallinn, not mentioned so. dark beer so far. So there's your chance. Yeah. So you've got that option as well, is that you know, just a two-hour ferry ride. So you get the best of both worlds. So yeah, it is a craft beer destination in the sense of you've got the stuff going on in, is in that Helsinki. Viking, Viking line by any chance. Exactly. Yeah, there's yeah, two or three. Yeah. Viking line's the ones that is the one that I use generally yeah, because yeah, I will yeah. always be in Parliament. Yeah. Uh, when I'm, I'm a family trip up over to I've got friends in Orland, so I don't, I don't know, I might start to think about maybe heading over to Helsinki as well as part of it. And Helen. Oh come on! We've only got two weeks to do most. Like, yeah, I'm actually I'm actually moving to Tallinn after 22 years of living in Barcelona. I'm oh, wow. moving to Tallinn in spring. 
Really? Yeah. Wow. We we went there, uh, was it 2019, just before COVID hit? Just before the pandemic, yeah. Yeah, just before the COVID hit, we uh, um, uh, we went over and, and uh, had, a, had a week in talent. And, and, uh, the beer scene's great. Well, it's, just, it's not just beer. I mean, the beer scene's great, but as, as, a, as a city, it was... It was it was brilliant. Mm. Yeah, I loved it. It's cool. such a vibrant, um, yeah, just cool and trendy and but like compact. So you you've got everything you need in in a pretty small space, and you can make it's still stuff out of marzipan all the time. Still elements of the kind of ex-Russian kind of occupation, the kind of KGB, all that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's a cool. Yeah, it is a cool, cool city. But we digress. Yeah, <laughs> conscious of time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Barcelona obviously has got a pretty booming beer scene. It's uh, there's a there's a whole sort of part of a neighbourhood which is called the, they they call it lovingly the beer Champla. The Champla is one area of the uh, of the city, and in a small vicinity, you've got um, the original garage beer bar, which was their brewery as well. Mm-hmm. literally about a three-minute walk from there, you've got Beer Cab, which I think has been rate beers. Like, I think it's even one like number one beer in the world. It's definitely a uh, bar in the world. It's definitely had best in Europe uh, from rate beer and awards and stuff. And that's literally a three-minute walk from there. Then you've got um, down the road from that, you've got Marisma Brewery, Tap Room, Napa Beer used to be in that area, and as did Mikella. They've both closed now. But then you've got another one called Black Lab, which is just up the road from that. You've got Brewdog Barcelona, which is about a five, eight-minute walk from the garage and from the beer cab. So you yeah, literally that's where Jamie will be uh, rocking up to get the round in. Yep. <laughs> yeah, literally three or four, like within the vicinity of like a, you know, a parameter of about a 20-minute walk, you've got about six pretty, you know, damn good craft beer bars. And it's just everywhere. Basically, almost everywhere that's opening up is taking on some form of craft beer in it. Aside from the, like, there's probably God knows how many, craft beer dedicated bars there are there's too many to name and they're in each district of the city as well so i did mention a year or two back so we should go to barcelona for a trip and everyone poo-pooed it at the time but yeah, there you go now well, we know there's a brood up there <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean a yeah, great yeah. City as well a fantastic place to visit and spend time in generally so yeah i mean also i think they host possibly one of one of the best beer festivals in europe as well which was literally two weeks ago which is mash beer festival which is hosted now solely by garage Oh, yeah. okay. wow. And garage um, for beer club. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say we found it first. But no, yeah, no. We did try it all. Yeah. Well, there you go. One of the owners of garage is as English as I am. And so. Yeah. 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 Just another quick question. Um, you, you mentioned about collaborations next year, etc. It just says um, this is from uh, a Twitter user, Craft Beer Travels. Um, what's your ambition to be doing as a brewery for the next couple of years? Is there anything, you know, any direction on that? Grow. Probably the same as, as, well, do you know what? I'm going to say, first of all, survive. Times are not easy um, for anyone, to be perfectly honest. I think that goes for any type of business that you're in at the moment. Um, Times are tough. I mean, look what's going on in the world. It's an absolute disaster, my opinion um i think any type of business is suffering at the moment so first 
thing, survive. <laughs> uh, secondly, grow, um, expand the brand, hopefully get more known in, you know, in, in different countries and also as well be able to like grow the home market um, more as well. Is it, so is the it, two main, main things, short-term survive, longer-term grow. So, Joe, so you've been with um, Coolhead for, let's say, for a year. Um, so you obviously post sort of the, the whole Brexit thing, but is it is it difficult to import the, the beers into into the UK or is it is it sorted now? No, it's not a question of, do you know what? It's not a question of, um, this is something that's happened in, in, in export uh, uh, across the board. Export is not the same as it was pre-pandemic. Pan the, the, the pandemic has changed everything. Oh, okay. That's, that's not a question of, well, what happens? Basically, we're all locked up for a, you know, a good long period of time, some places more than others, um, all of these restrictions. So naturally, people turned to local market stuff. You know, people weren't working there. I couldn't ship in. I wasn't shipping anything virtually anywhere during that pandemic. Nothing was going anywhere. People still wanted their beers, especially when they were stuck at home. Yeah. So what you get, you get your, your local local beers. So what happened was was this massive shift towards yeah local local breweries, and then and let's be honest, yeah, in the UK there's a very 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 high level of uh, of breweries making you know hazy IPAs or sours or whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, that comes out cheaper than an imported beer does. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when times are tough, economically speaking, people look for a cheaper option. You know, if they don't have to give up, because at the end, you know, craft beer could be considered a slightly gourmet product. Could we call it that? Um, <laughs> no, it's not the same as a, a can of Fosters or something in the supermarket or whatever. It does cost a bit more. Because we're small, we're independent, we're using decent ingredients. And, um, you know, it, it, that comes with a price. So basically, that's really what happened. It's not a question of it's difficult to get the stuff into the UK. But the UK, the same as a lot of other markets, just went very inward. So that, you know, I've seen it where I live in Spain. I've seen it across other. So export just drops for everyone. Now, from a UK brewery perspective, I think it's probably harder than it was because it's harder to ship stuff out. Yeah. Because mm. it's going into Europe. The Europe stuff going into the UK is still fine because the UK still needs everything that they needed before from the EU, which is pretty much 99% of everything you get in your supermarkets. Yeah. I mean, I, I we prior to Brexit, we could order stuff online at a at a European brewery and get it mm, delivered to the yeah. UK. Now that that particular opportunity, want to go direct to the brewery is it's is, really difficult. It's, yeah, yeah, in most cases, a non option is not available. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it, that's made things more complicated. So really, it's more a question of like like the interest shifting, and I think it comes down to you know economics as well. You know, people look for a slightly cheaper option, and, and a local brewery is slightly cheaper than an imported one um so yeah it's just it, it's still there it still happens but the volumes are less than what they were i mean i remember days of like you know a whole containers worth of beer going into the uk from one brewery 
Mm. That doesn't happen anymore. And that could even be really like well-known hypey. Yeah. Uh, international breweries. I, 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 guess, I guess it's the lucky thing about the um about the breweries, though, isn't it, that um craft drink because we want to expand our taste, but so we, we always get yeah, and try different things. Right, so we've got the uh, quick fire rounds. Um, these are same questions we ask everyone, or, or, or pretty much the same. Although I keep adding one, and I'm going to annoy Sean by adding another one here tonight as well. <laughs> um, but uh, quick fire round. So, um, first of all, uh, biggest influence um, on the on the brewery or yourself as a as a brewer? Yeah, uh, or, like origins, yeah. Uh, where we come from, basically. But. You know, we're we're in Finland, but we've you know there's a, a Brazilian, there's an Englishman, there's a Frenchman in the brewery, and all the rest of the team are Finnish. So we've you know we've got like you mentioned the the, the licorice, but we've got the colours, and now we're getting more into the the hoppy side of things, which is coming from me. Um, so yeah, so I would say like our roots and our origins is really I like what influences yeah. us. Got the multicultural, yeah. Beers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number two. Um, if someone was going to buy one beer from Cool Heads Brewery, which one would you recommend? I mean, if it's just one, I mean, that's a pretty damn hard one. I really <laughs> like. I really like. I should probably. I should say something sour because it's what we're known for. But I am personally a big fan of our core pale ale, which is called Haziness. It's a five percent. Pale. but for a core range it's actually using a very nice selection of hops so it's galaxy nelson and vic secret okay mm-hmm. um which is you know quite a nice hop bomb for a, a core pale yeah and then the other one would be closely followed would be the core ipa which is citra mosaic 6.5 percent um yeah i think i'm liking where they're going Working in branding and sort of marketing, I'm very obsessed with colour and it's got lovely, very pale, milky yellow colours. They're thick, creamy and a lot of aroma, which is what we've been aiming for with our IPAs. Um, and I think we've we've got there over the, the space of this year. Awesome. Uh, this is, uh, uh, Some people find this really easy, this question, and some people really struggle with it. But, um, you know, Outside of obviously your own brewery, which one, which brewery is your favourite? Yeah, favourite. I, I don't. There's so many individual beers that I've liked. It's hard to say that I, I would have a favourite brewery. I'd probably go for something old and like Timothy Taylor's or something like classic. Yeah, you know that's pretty mean? cool. Um, Can't be a pint of landlord. Exactly. Yeah. Um, something like that, or like you know, Augustina for the Hellas in Germany, and you know. For me, there's referential points. It's kind of like your beer. If you have a beer journey, if you wanted to call something a beer journey, like the end of the like in the two early two thousands when I was regularly in California, then again I would have said something like um, Stone as well, like Stone mm-hmm. and uh, you know Pizza Port and uh, Russian River. I think. Was was there a point? And this is where Sean gets nowhere. I go off piece here. Was there a point? If you had like a beer epiphany. I remember my beer epiphany was just seeing my dad drinking a pint of uh, Old Peculiar, 
But was there a moment that kind of opened your I had, eyes? I had, it, I had it very young because my grandmother was a drunk. So like, <laughs> she was basically in the pub all the time. Well, I, I called her, she wasn't a drunk, but I called her dance nan. Um, and because she was literally, she was from the East End of London. She had permanently had a fag hanging out of her mouth and was either, if she wasn't playing darts and she was playing cards for money and stopping on a pale ale. And that's my dad's side. Mum's side is Kentish, which obviously we're, you know, it's big hop. It's the, you know, it's the, it's the, the heart and soul of the hops for the UK really originally. And uh, my granddad made beers on that my mum's side of the family when when I was young. So I remember him having a like a pale ale or like a, a breakfast stout in the morning and stuff. Like it was pretty much two beers. He had a dark beer and he made himself like a pale as well. So it's kind of been around for a while. Beer epiphany when I was living in monteith's when i was living in new zealand i kind of had a little one with like monteith's and then when i was living in australia it was actually and this is the end of the 90s cooper's when i had cooper's pale ale mm-hmm. in a big 75 centiliter bottle and it had all like it was completely unfiltered there was sediment floating around and stuff in it it was beautifully hoppy unclean and that was actually ironically i would say the main one was in australia before there was a boom or well, at least before I was aware of it anyway uh, of like craft beer as I'm sort of saying this is like 98 99 that's amazing I think I think everyone does have that moment don't they when they yeah yeah, so, yeah. um okay question number four I think I'm going I think I know the answer to this one but um uh thirds halves two thirds or pints fine yeah I thought so <laughs> smashing a pint of yeah <laughs> um number five then your favorite style of beer um hmm. <laughs> i like i've can i am i allowed to answer three or is it, is yeah, it you can, it's your night lager i'm a bit a big lager but predominantly i'm a lager drinker to be honest i very rarely drink anything else aside from lagers seasonal as well yeah. um cask like cask bitter for me is like where i'm from like or or, or ruby red i remember being with the guys at wylam quite a few years ago and they'd done a collab with daya and everyone and they was they were telling me everyone's always expecting this to be some hoppy whatever and it wasn't it was a ruby red ale and i was there for the, the launch doing a collab with wylam and it was on cask and it was just phenomenal so mm-hmm. yeah the cast and then west coast ipas yeah we had, we had um, hoppy dank west coast ipas yeah we had elusive on on uh on the pod recently and we had a a, a night on on uh, west a west coast journey we had a the normal west coast oregon trail then we had a rye red rye west coast and it was the best one and a triple a triple mm. um then we've got last last kind of two questions um favorite hop uh this year i've liked nectar on a lot it yeah, sort of came out of like new zealand yeah. uh i'm really i'm really liking that hop um nelson i would have said probably yeah, 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 yeah. Nelson, I'm um, that's it. it perfect 
As I said, my first like major beer that I loved, like in yeah. it was, was it was called Nelson, and it was this. You can still get it, but they got bought out by Green Flash, so it, and everything just changed afterwards from being yeah. this tiny little place, and you you'd get them in bottles with a dodgy label on it. That beer was just out of this world, um, mm. and then they got kind of bought out, and I think it changed. But there's a, there's a lot of love for Nelson. I think it's three. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's, is there uh, is there a hop that if you see it on the can, it turns you turns you off? Yeah, probably the same as what everyone else says as well. I, I'm not a fan of Strata. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm not into the coconutty stuff. I'm really not. Um, Strata can work, but it has to. It, it depends on the combination and it depends on the the amount. But when you start, for me, when I start getting that real coconutty flavour coming through, I don't like it. And it's just because I'm not a fan of coconut. Mm-hmm. Like if you go you know, on a tropical island and you stick a straw in the coconut, I don't want to drink it anyway. <laughs> uh, so I'm not a pina colada fan or uh, any of your other coconut classics. So, yeah, definitely strata. But Nectaron, but it's interesting because, you know, two favourite hops, they're both from New Zealand. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I actually lived in Nelson for a while, (laughs) (laughs) town in the north of the South Island, and it's got the most hours of sunlight per year um, in the whole country. Is that is that where the hop from? Is it named after? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, Mm. cool. Learn something every every time I do a podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Well, this has been a fantastic. fantastic exploration of of what you've been up to really really interesting and as i said before our first uh overseas brewery um and even though it's been entirely with someone from kent (laughs) (laughs) which is which makes it interesting but yeah um so like to say thank you for joining us and if you've got any final words before we sign off yeah yeah, a couple of things. It's interesting because, yeah, I mean, obviously my accent gives it all away, but I've actually lived, maybe you've gathered by me telling you of where I've lived and stuff, that I've I've lived longer out of the UK than I ever lived there. Um, yeah. Can't lose the accent there, can you? <laughs> no, you can't. And I think you only lose it through want, and I've got no need, necessity, or want to lose it, to be honest. Um, yeah, well, thanks very much for having me. Um, it was great to have met you in, in Derby in the first place and to actually... You know, see people really appreciate the beers and actually want to take it a bit further and want to explore. It's nice. You know, that's why I'm, you know, I've, I like doing these kinds of things. I, You can probably tell as well, I like talking. I've got no problem in talking. I can <laughs> go for hours and hours. Um, I like to get the name out there and stuff. And, yeah, I suppose one other thing is, as I said, there is a new round of beers uh, coming to the UK. And I actually wanted to mention, because there is actually something special that's coming on this round. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning because you've asked questions about hops and uh, and things like this. And I've said that, you know, we're trying to get as known for our for our hoppy stuff as, as we are for the sours. Um, I've got a, a friend who is very well known in the beer industry, was known for a very, very long time because um, he ran a, a, a pizza place in in seattle which is basically close to yakima um but he was like a real beer buff and he would have beers from all over america 
which was unusual. You know, generally they're, they're restricted to state. So, you know, you get New York beers in New York, but you don't really find them. You don't find them in California. This, uh, but he did. He would source them all out and he'd have them. And basically everyone would go there to his pizza place for like hop selection. Okay. Um, so like I've known him for like a long time and he, he was great. So he's also one half, the main half, the main person. He's more than half, actually, I think. But he's he's running it. Of a brewery now, he's got his own brewery, which is called Fast Fashion. Um, maybe you've seen. There's a, a a Beak collab coming out soon. There's a Track collab <coughs> coming out soon with with uh, Fast Fashion. Um, anyway, he got in touch with me and said okay jamie um i know that you're a complete arsehole and you're going to be in barcelona but um basically what i consider to be the best hop merchants uh are going to be stopping in finland uh in a month or so so they they were asking about any anywhere to go so of course obviously i thought about you now you're in the finnish brewery even though you probably won't be there um, so I'd really like to like hook you guys up. And he was like, I swear to you, these are like the best hop merchants in Yakima. Mm-hmm. Work with the best farms and get the best. I was like, well, yeah, of course. So he did this introduction mail and it was with a, a, like a hop merchant, which is called Hollingberry and Sons. So it's a family uh, business. They've been you know, dealing in hops for a long time they even bring stuff over from germany so this is what was happening they were on their way to hop selection in germany to take german hops back to the states and were stopping over in finland and to cut a long story short he goes would you like to do a beer with some of our hops and we were like 100 yes we always heard that you know the hops the the really good hops are kept in america for the american breweries and we maybe quite don't in Europe don't get as good a quality, shall we say. So he passed us this list. And so basically he was like, you can have anything you want. And we've actually got three hops of the four that are unavailable in Europe. Um, uh, One is still experimental, which is HPC 1019. Um, So it hasn't been named yet. Yeah. No one. No one in Europe has used that. We've got another one, which is called Pink, which is a new breed which was created just last year on Jackson's farm in Idaho, which is the original founder creator of Idaho 7. Right, right, right. Um, So this hop is being lovingly known as Pink at the moment. And the, the story is that they put these flags around it that were pink. And so everyone just started calling it Pink. And it seems the name is stuck. Nobody has used that in Europe. Uh, in fact, I was talking to some, I spoke to the owner of Finback and I said, have you ever used this? He's like, never heard of it. So even <laughs> breweries, big hoppy breweries in the States haven't heard of it. And then the third one is like a, a special one because it's only grown on two acres of land on Seagull Hop Ranch, which is considered to be one of the best hop farms in Yakima. A lot of the breweries go there and select directly. And this is where, again, my friend comes in from fast fashion. Um, if you've heard of a brewery called Stillwater, um, I know that Brian's doing some stuff out of north, I think, now for like a European section. 
he actually came across this hop that hadn't been named, wasn't being sold or anything on Seagull Hop Ranch and was like blown away with it and just saying it's like watermelon. It's like watermelon candy, like watermelon, wow. like like sweets. <laughs> and uh, he was talking with Matt, who's the other guy, the main guy of fast fashion. And he was saying, right, okay, if we basically, if I can give you a few hops, um, if you can pick the one that I described to you, through its flavors then we'll make a beer with it and matt instantly went this is it like watermelon sweets whatever blah 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 and they ended up buying it and uh brian with the the sort of crazy genius he is decided he wanted to name this hop anchovy ah <laughs> you've had I've a beer had it. You've yeah had a beer with anchovy. i had uh, a beer by track um which might have been a collaboration i'm not with fashion with with yeah uh, anchovy and it was really unusual and, yeah. and i was really scratching my head when i saw it because like you call a hop anchovy you think yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah but there's only i believe two breweries in europe that have used anchovy one mm. is track and the other one is cloud water yeah and, yeah. and the track one I, I thought that they brewed it maybe it did come out because they have what they call anchovy fest each year because right. there's only two, there's only two acres if you go if you go on to the fast fashion like social media or instagram you'll see anchovy fest and then you'll see the brewers that have brewed with it and i believe there's only one in europe from this mm. year's fest which was track so that's maybe yeah. what you have i think the yeah. other one in the past was cloud water so basically it's invitational only <laughs> and we got sent anchovy as well mm. um, <laughs> So we've got HBC 1019. We've got pink, which no one in Europe has used either of these two. And we've got anchovy. Now, the anchovy and the pink were literally pelletized two days before the guys from Hollingberry jumped on a plane and put all these hops into their suitcases for us and flew them over. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Um, the all I can say is that it was a small batch uh beer. Um it sold out within a day on like pre-sales. And mm -hmm. I was pestering uh Sam from Distant Lands. I was saying, honestly, mate, if you don't put give me some reserves, that's gone. Like tomorrow. <laughs> and he was like, Hold on a minute, but which what beer is this? And I went, It's this one that's got this hop, this hop, this hop blah 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 he was like oh no you got the like, entry and you got this one as well uh, yeah 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 oh. and he made a reserve and that beer will be arriving um in the uk in a couple of weeks i imagine Ooh. and it's called from yakima with hops <laughs> yeah we'll definitely look at oh, it because the, yeah, the, the track one was really interesting and like this is as well i haven't tried yeah. it even myself yet the guys yeah. are saying it's almost like a theolized i don't know if you've had any of the yeah, theolized. yeah, yeah. Theolized, so like, phantasm and theolized. Stuff. yeah exactly so they reckoned it was almost like theolized like the, mm. the sort of the tastes that are coming yes out. And, they, yeah. and and one of the guys went to me he goes it's almost not even like an ipa yeah, like there's strong flavors going on that is not like an IPA almost. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting and something very unique and rare. I've got no idea whether Pink or the HBC will ever make it to Europe. So mm -hmm. it is a, a, quite a unique, and I think I feel like we're lucky as well getting hold of the the anchovy, which was thanks to Matt basically saying yes, of course they can have it. <laughs> 
Brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Well, look forward to seeing that in, yeah. the, in, in these shores. Yeah. Well, thanks once again, and we'll sign off there. Wonderful. Thank you. So there you have it. Now you know why you should try licorice in beer. Thanks, Jamie, for chatting with us so extensively about Coolhead Brewery and your own story as well. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe in all the usual podcast places or check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Belper Beer Club or try our website, belperbeer.club. So until next time, see you later.